Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. This is episode number 453. Today's guest is Rick from Billy Bricks. Owns a couple restaurants in the Chicago area as well as some food trucks. They do have another location in Florida. We're talking all about expansion, franchising, growing your business, what it takes to build a great team, and how do you become the owner that doesn't have to work in the restaurant? And not only does you not have to work in the restaurant, but how do you make it so that if someone calls out sick or something happens in one of your restaurants, there's a system in place for you for your employees to follow so they don't just call you on it. Great episode. It's about an hour long, but every bit of this episode is going to help you out, I guarantee you, especially if you're looking to grow your business and who isn't looking to grow their business. And a lot of people are struggling with employees and figuring things out and how to come up with systems. Rick's done a great job building systems for his businesses. And the information that he shares today, I think is going to be very valuable to you. But before I get into that, I do have to say thanks to Baccio Cheese. I've been using, I think I mentioned on this podcast or one I just recorded that'll be out next week or the week after that I've been making pizza every single night at my house and I've been using Baccio Cheese and I love it. If you head into Pizza Expo, be sure to check out booth number 1531. Say hello to the folks over at Baccio's. Try some cheese out for yourself. Let them know you heard them on the Smart Pizza Marketing Podcast. They have, I've been using the whole milk block cheese and I just shred it myself at my house and it comes out so good. I'm cooking it in my oven because it's winter here and I can't use my outdoor oven so I'm cooking it in the house and it's very versatile, easy shred, uh, easy to maintain and very, very, it's just great cheese. I just, I absolutely enjoy it and I highly recommend you check it out. If you're not heading to the Pizza Expo, head over to BaccioCheese.com forward slash SPM. You can request a sample and even if you can't make it to the show, they'll send you one. You can try it out for yourself in your oven and then hopefully you like it and if you do, you can buy it. BaccioCheese.com forward slash SPM or if you're heading to the Pizza Expo, go to booth 1531. And if you're looking for some pepperoni to put on your pizza, head over to Smithfield Culinary's website and go to smithfieldculinary.com forward slash margarita. Their margarita pepperoni is really good. I used it in my business when I was operating. I also use it at home when I cook my pizza every single night. My daughter loves pepperoni pizzas, and she's very picky when it comes to the pepperoni you put on your pizza. And she loves Smithfield Culinary's margarita product line. So check it out. They also have a whole bunch of other stuff. They have some capicola, salami, prosciutto, mortadella, pancetta. They work with experts to deliver tips and trends and insights on their website as well. Again, the website is smithfieldculinary.com forward slash margarita. They're going to give you a whole bunch of options for you to choose. You can check out what they have, get some samples delivered, and then contact somebody if you want to buy it. I highly recommend you do that. One more time, smithfieldculinary.com forward slash margarita. Okay, that's going to be it for me. Obviously, we take all the show notes for you on this episode over at smartpizzamarketing.com, and you can join SPM Pro if you want. That's available over on the website too. If you want to reach out to me, Bruce, no, I'm not going to give you my website. Go to Instagram at smartpizzamarketing. That's the best place to reach out to me on the social medias, whatever you call it. All right, let's get into today's episode with Rick from Billy Bricks. All right, welcome back to the podcast, everybody. Rick from Billy Bricks is joining me on the podcast. Rick's my friend. We've been talking back and forth a lot. He's been on the podcast a few times. Uh, we're just going to catch up, talk about what he's up to. He's got a great franchise that he's running and operating. Uh, I'm going to see what he's been up to since, because I don't think it's been, I think we talked last on the podcast, maybe during COVID or right after or something like that. It's been a while. Yeah, we, we definitely caught up during COVID. And then, and I think, you know, I was seeing some of your posts recently. I think we were, I don't know what number episode we were, but we were pretty early 
uh, getting on too. So I think this will be my third, maybe my third time. Yeah, I think it's been um, three times now. And I like yeah, talking so. to people. Like, uh, you know, my goal when I first started the podcast, welcome to the podcast, by the way, before we get into it. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> uh, my goal with the podcast at first was to just talk to like everybody different. But then I'm like, you know what? There's certain people who I think are doing good things that as the business changes, because you know, it changes constantly. Um, yeah. We need to have back on the podcast and see what they're doing and what, what's happening in their world. So give us a little bit of an update on your end. Like what's been happening for you? What's the, what's the, what's the good word? Yeah, I think, you know, one of the things I feel like Judd Nelson every morning when I read your <laughs> stuff on Facebook or whatever, um, or wherever I catch your content, because so much of it hits the nail right on the head of, of things that are, are really real thoughts that I'm having as a pizzeria operator or, and as a business owner. Um, so I always enjoy those. Um, Thank you. And I think that's this last year has been a big shift for us as an organization um, going from being a store operator and having multiple stores, but basically operating each one of them in at some, some degree and being in them to that sort of, I guess, cliche of I'm working on the business more than I'm working in the business right now. Yeah. Uh, I still do quite a bit and, you know, don't like sitting still. So if there's big events or things going on, like I love to get in there, jump in the line and, and, and work, you know, work, work, making pizzas and do that stuff. Cause that's what I enjoy. Right. Yeah. Um, but fighting that urge to fall into those things. Cause that's like comfortable. You know, and easy, it's very right? easy. It's easy yeah. to do. Yeah, it's it's hard work, but it's very easy for me to fall into the pizza line and just find myself making pizzas for a whole day. It's easy. Um, you know what? It's easy to and listen. This is going to come across bad, but it's easy to run a pizza shop. Like if you're there running it in like the daily manager, it's easy to do that. You know, yeah, I mean, yeah, at, you got to deal with people. You know, you got to deal with people not showing up, and you know, shit happens. But for the most part. When I remember operating, when I was there on a Friday night, it was a piece of cake for me. No matter how busy it got, I could manage it and figure it out. It's like being able to do that and not be the person that's there doing it on location. That's the hard part. Yeah. I mean, I really, because like that's what I looked forward to, right? If the phones are ringing off the hook, the place is bumping, I feel like we were, I was even better because I was thrilled. You know, it wasn't yeah. like, oh man, what a night. Like, no, that, that's what we live for is to do that and, and just have the place rocking. Um, and when I, when I'm there making pizzas, like I want it to be that night. I want it to be that night where we've done more business than we've ever done. Right. And that it was a challenge, you know, every time challenging ourselves to be better and better. And then you get to a point, at least I did where to get to the next level, cause it's like, okay, well, what's the next step? What's the next thing, uh, to grow to the next phase. I can't, I can't do that anymore. Um, or I can't do it regularly if we're going to get anywhere right uh and all those things and advice and i wouldn't say I don't, I don't have like direct mentors but people whose content i like to absorb and you know if someone's on that i think is doing a really good job that i can see from afar or growing at a rate then like man i want to grow at that rate i wonder what they're doing and they're putting out content like this i'm listening to it yeah if they're saying you know what i did I read this book and it really helped me with my marketing and that marketing helped me lead to get me out of the store because our sales were able to support it. And, you know, then I go, by, I'm reading that book. So I'm a rabid, you know, voracious reader and absorber of content. 
um, and not to uh, to a point where it's detrimental, but that's just something like I enjoy learning and reading. So that that becomes very naturally to me to want to do that. And anyone who's doing it better than me, or I think has got more figured out than I do to this point, I'm all over everything that they're willing to offer. Yeah. Uh, and and give away. And I hope that like we kind of do the same for other people to say, man, I want to get to that point. Um, yeah. I like that. I, yeah, you know. So. I like that. And you know what? I've recently been like, um, because uh, I've been doing this podcast for a long time now, and I somebody actually recently said to my to to send me a message on Instagram said I was being too negative as of late. And I was like looking back at my content. I'm like, am I being too negative? I don't think I'm being too. I th- I don't think I'm being too negative. I'm just kind of being realistic and. I've kind of thought changed my thought process to the content that I want to create moving forward. And I want to create content. Like I'm an old man now and I want to talk to my 20 year old self and For sure. tell that guy who was cocky and would work a hundred hours a week and wanted to build a huge business. What I would do with the knowledge that I have today between running the business for 20 years, which I did and being able to interview people like you, multiple times and doing all these podcasts. Like I've learned a lot and I want to tell that 20 year old person, listen, stop doing the stupid shit that you're doing and focus on this stuff because this is what is the most important thing to grow your business. And if somebody could take something out of that, then I would love for that to happen. For sure. And I think it's what I say to anyone on our team, no matter what level they're at or what they're doing, any person that we're working on that's looking to me for any sort of advice, just anywhere where there's, some level of disparity going on. And I basically tell them, listen, there's no right or wrong answer. Yeah. There's only an answer of what are you trying to accomplish? And the things are you doing, are they are they going to take you there? Now, for some people, like I could stop, have three shops that are original three, and take a couple of my mobile units and be done. If my goals aligned with just doing that, and I could just do that, make a very good living, take care of my family and do whatever, uh, you know, and I could design my decisions based on that being what I want. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Um, I know terrific operators that I can have three stores and make the same amount that they make just operating the one store. Yeah. Because they're there themselves. Uh, they're doing certain things, but I see the challenges they have. So, you know, you don't ever get away from having challenges. So it's just a matter of what your goals are and what your intent is. So if you're going to do something that says, "Hey, I want to, I want to have 20 shops and I want to start franchising and I want to, I want to build the next thing and be out everywhere," like I've seen some guys do over the past 10 years, um, you know, uh, like Pete from Caliente, like you see how they're growing, like it's super cool to see that from afar. Um, and what they're doing and going, well, if they can do that, like we certainly can do that. Right. So how are they doing it? And a lot of what he talks about is working on your business, empowering your team, growing your leadership, and a process of training great managers. And that is, it's as simple as that in a way. And then it's, okay, now I have to figure out how I go about doing those things to make that a reality. So if my goal is scale into not just stop at my little fiefdom that I have in the suburban area of Illinois, where we have a market that we've cornered in six areas and with several trucks, I go, well, why can't I take that, that model then of saying, okay, I want to have three to six stores and two to four trucks and then reproduce that in another area. 
So that's kind of where we're getting now is like, I want to take the company we've built and multiply it by designing it to be set up in a very similar way, just in different locations. So if I want to go up North in Illinois, I have to pick at least three locations that we're going to open plus have at least one mobile unit there. And then I have a bit of predictability as far as my numbers, uh, the type of team that I need and also the cash flow and revenue that we'll have to be able to afford the additional basically leaders to make sure that everything is being run right. Because I certainly can't, you know, there's no way I can plug those holes. You know, I I always say I want to, I want to build things big enough that it forces me to not be able to have bad habits. So if I have too many locations, there's absolutely no way that the business model can be someone calls off Friday night, Rick can get called in. Because <laughs> that, that won't work. Because as soon as I get two of those calls, one place doesn't get me. Right. So, you know, if you have if you build it big enough that it kind of will it breaks you out of those habits, that's what I've tried to do is you you can't possibly do them. I like that. Um, Let me ask you this before we get into it deeper, and I do have yeah. more questions for you. How many how many locations are you up to now, whether that be the ones that you operate and then franchises total? So we were up to eight corporate locations and then uh, three franchisee brick and mortars. And then we had four mobile units and three mobile franchisees. The mobile franchisees are all killing it. They're all there. They're all doing going strong. One brick and mortar franchisee. The other two uh franchisees that we had that were brick and mortar were inside of what we call non-traditional locations they were more like captive audience sport arena type places okay um and the partners we had there just it didn't really work very well um when and so those one was closed and the other one is temporarily paused Uh, and then as far as our corporate stores we had eight the one in clearwater florida we did close um, and that was, there's a lot of reasons, uh, but I think that was, there's also a lot of valuable lessons learned from opening up in an outside market. Um, but, and you know, we pay for them, but you pay for your experience. Uh, right. Right. And we you won't pay make for those, one way or another. You pay for it one way or the other, but you know, it, it was something we had to go for and take our shot to see what we didn't know about what was going to happen in the challenges there. Uh, and the second was in, uh, another non-traditional location that we owned, we decided to, we consciously chose to close it. It was actually profitable, but we had, you know, we had to make some tough decisions on scaling back to be able to ramp up big. So there was some that were really just more of a distraction than they were good for us. Um, and, and so we cut a little bit. So now we're at six, six open brick and mortars and four mobile units. And then in Florida is our seventh. It's a new concept called Za Baby. Um, that has our traditional menu, but it also has a, a Chicago style, like Pequod style pan pizza. Um, so it's a, it's, and it's got a full bar, full service. So the service there in the menu varies slightly and it allows us to, to have some fun and experiment. And that one's in Naples, Florida. That one's going very well. Uh, so we learned our lesson, uh, and we have an operational partner on the ground there who's there as like an owner that cares, uh, which we know when you're, we learned that lesson <laughs> Yeah. Uh, when you're opening up new. And then we have a beautiful thing in having multiple trucks and being in a cold weather climate. We're not as busy in the winter as we are during season. So we sent one of our trucks down to Florida for their season. So we have that driving all around Southwest Florida, uh, getting our brand out there, getting sales and, you know, bringing a lot of awareness, you know, for example, we did a community dinner event uh, maybe about a week ago. 
the following week, we had the first night, there was five families from that community that came into the restaurant for dinner. Oh, wow. So that was the whole reason we started our mobile business. It's taken off into a whole nother direction, but our whole idea was spend a hundred grand on marketing or spend a hundred grand on a truck and get people what we actually need them more than anything to do, which is try our food because then they, we believe they will be a customer. That's a great idea to start a truck to kind of build out your awareness in that area before you go into buying a brick and mortar. Yeah. I mean, that was our whole plan was the truck was going to be a marketing expense. Yeah. Um, and, and then it just turned into its whole own business where every year we're like, man, we need to build another one because now that one's all booked up for events and we're not using it for its original intended purpose. Um, so then we're adding another one to be able to go back and do those things too. Well, I have so many questions, but let me go back to one thing that you said about closing the shop. When do you, what goes into the decision process of closing it? And when do you know, or when do you feel like you should close it? Like what's the deciding factor? I mean, obviously profitability is key, right? And if you're not profitable, but like, how long do you wait? There's a lot of businesses out there that aren't profitable. Like how long do you wait before you make the decision to finally close it? You know, I, that's a really hard one to answer only because in 18 years we had never closed anything before. Yeah. And then we decided to do that and rip the bandaid in the same year on those. And I think as we did it, it became easier to do them at the same time too, because we were already making a tough decision. And I think the biggest thing for us was when our, when our plan and our vision became clear as a team of what we were trying to do, it's that part of it where you know it's easy to make that decision if you know it's getting in the way of furthering your goals. Okay, so you said, you, all right, this is what I want to do. This store is not helping us get there. I think it's, it's not helping it. us get there right now. You know, do I think if we stuck it out and, and put more money in over the next few years that that store could end up making it? Maybe, but it was out of market, out of our comfort zone. A lot of leadership problems. And it's like, is it going to make it to the point where the return there is worth it? Um, and are we going to have a bigger focus in that region, in that particular area of Florida over the next four years? And if the answer to that was no, it was like, unfortunately, we have to cut this one right now because it's actually getting in the way of all of our other goals uh, and it's counterproductive. Now, there's other ones where we've put in that time and investment because it was part of a bigger strategy and a plan that now when we've seen three do years down the line are great money makers for us. Oh, wow. So you put in the time and effort and worked out. So we know that we can push through, but we also know what it's going to, what kind of push it takes to make that happen. Um, so it's, what's the burn rate? Well, you know, what are we going, what's the total cost of, of pushing it to that point? And what's its total value to the overall operation in general? Um, but I've also found that the challenging stores or the challenging opens or challenging things ultimately lead us to lots of innovation that we then reapply to our other locations. You know, we're like, oh, what are we gonna do? We have to get more sales. Okay, what could we do in this area? Well, we could do catering. So instead of trying to bring in 12 customers at a $15 ticket average, let's try to find one order that has the same total like sales. Yeah. And so we were like, if we're gonna stop the bleeding at that spot, this is the only way to do it because five sales actually makes up what our whole sales for that day target would be to not be losing money. So instead of trying to bring in a hundred people, let's try to bring in five. And so we did that. Now we had stores that were doing terrific and we were like, Hey, why don't we send our salespeople now? And what we're doing this method of going out and getting catering orders that seems to be working for us. 
go add those sales into stores that are already doing well. So now you have stores that were doing well, doing nine, 900 to a million in sales a year, making us money. Uh, and you're adding another two, 300,000 a year in sales and catering. Smart. You know, so the, the lesson that we were forced to do that for a particular location and then reapply what we learned from that to stores that were already doing well that are now doing even better. So as you go through the process, every store is a learning experience for you and gets your, your as long as you have the ultimate goal figured out, each store is a learning process to get better at the next one. Yeah. And I don't know what that number is going to be where it's like, is it 20 stores? where we finally feel like, hey, we have the exact model, the exact square footage, the exact layout, the exact everything where it's churn and burn and just keep opening because we know exactly what we need. Like, you know, when you go into other spaces that are all different too, you're kind of rearranging things based on right. the space that you have. Um, so, you know, we don't have a, a, a significant answer yet where I say, this is it, this is the only way, but we're getting really, really close. Um, and to that end, we have four, we have about four things opening up this year. And that's going to be a huge thing for us, which is to see how quickly can we open? How quickly can we open well? How quickly can we open well and stay on budget? And then how quickly can we stay uh, open, stay on budget? Quickly can we do it? How well can it be done? And are our thoughts and things that we've gathered from all this learning in different types of locations and things we've done, can the things that we think we know now, are we right? I mean, we're basically right. saying, are we right? Because, you know, I have two of these locations where I'm like, if we are right, we may really be onto something other than just making great pizza right now. Um, and we're super excited about that because these locations are going to tell us whether or not we really know what we're doing as far as growing and expanding because the other stuff we have down, you know, we have our dough down, we have our processes yeah. down, we have our recipes down, we have the, the model as far as that goes, but it's the growth part of it that do we really know what we're doing at this point? How do um, you go about, how do you go about, you know, I've, cause so is the plan to open more where you are or are you going to expand? I know you did a couple in Florida, one closed, one still open. Is there, is it to open more in Florida as well? Um, I think we will, but for me right now, to try some things out, to see yeah. what we know and if we're right, being closer to home is a better way to, to do that and figure that out. And I will say this, if we are right on the stuff that we are doing now, that opens and it opens and we're like, wow, okay, we, we know, I think we got something here. That will feel, I'll feel more confident to go out then and expand to other areas, yeah. including having more franchisees in other states and whatever. Because more than anything, what I don't want is like we could sell, I could sell, 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 sell. But I, not only is it not going to be good for us in the long term if we're not right, but I, I don't feel comfortable doing that with people who I, I have doubts in the back of my head of what I'm telling them is correct. Right, right. You know, you so be I don't 100 want to certain that if they listen to you, it'll work for them. Yes, correct. And I've also, from our first franchisees, know the sort of speed bumps that they hit when they're, as, as one of the founders and owners of what we do, you know, here at Billy Bricks, it's meant for me to go through those trials and tribulations of the year spent 
not getting paid, you know, the, the years of the 80 hours and, and, and all that stuff. Because I'm the owner, right? And I'm the one who's going to benefit the most from it in the long run. So it's that investment's worth it. Right. I feel that the thing that's hard for franchisees, even though they're owners, in their minds, they go, why did I buy this franchise if I if I still have to put that amount of effort in to make this work? Yeah. Now, you know, they're willing to work, but they're also looking at it from, like, I would just have started my own thing if that's what I had to go through. I, right. I'm they want the, they, they want the game plan listed out for them so they can just be like, all right, this is exactly what I got to do. And all I got to do is follow the path that they already laid out yeah. versus opening. And they want to get there shop. faster. Yeah. And figuring it all out for yourself because it's hard to do that. And I think that that's probably a fair trade off um, to have a realistic expectation of time to do that. Uh, and I'm and I'm learning what that sweet spot is of. If I can say you're going to hit those numbers by this time instead of twice that amount of time, people will be happy. Yeah. Um, and they'll want to do more. And so these next iterations of what we do, I believe, get us there to that point more quickly. And that's going to make me more confident than to go out and sell those people and say, hey, if you have X, Y, and Z together and we open up this way, these numbers look so different than the numbers we used to see you know, six years ago when we were talking about franchising for the first time. And that actually creates a financial model and an incentive for people to want to do it. And a model that I'm hugely confident in then pushing to sell to people. I like that. Um, you know, so that's, that's sort of where we're at. And we're adding components to the business. We're adding more mobile units. Um, and I think that's a huge component of it too. How do you find the people to run the new locations that you open? Like the managers... And how do you make it so that you don't have to go in there and help them out or, you know, don't get called in if someone calls out sick? So, you know, I think it's obviously the biggest challenge, right? Yeah. Uh, people, people is all is or are, I don't know what the correct <laughs> is there. Uh, people is, people are always the number one, uh, basically value that you have as a business. And they're also the number one liability, the asset yeah. and liability. So everything that we're doing this past year has been to get us to a place that that process makes it easier. Is it money though? Is it like money opportunity? What do people want? You know, I would like to say it's money, but my, my father is one of the most generous people and was always offering more and more and more for people. And what I realized from being in there and also being in those roles myself, um, I had that job yeah. for him, you know, as a store manager. So I kind of know what it entails and I know what it feels like to be on the managerial side of it Same. and not be the, the owner because that's who I was for him. So uh, in that sense, I have a unique experience of starting as a dishwasher in my family's business and, and working <laughs> all the way up to being the CEO. So I have an experience that nobody else can probably ever duplicate of having worked at every single level of the job, not just starting as the owner and always being the owner like he did. Right. So I knew for me it wasn't necessarily always about the money. And, and I also saw that on a number of our guys, because we or, or, or gals, we would give them raises and they still wouldn't be happy. Yeah. So it wasn't about the money. Um, I, and I think the trying to have a one size fits all approach to people is also doesn't work. I think there are certain things that you can do that we do now that eliminate a ton of those issues. Some of those is consistency, um, leadership. And I know this sounds very vague. But consistency and leadership are two huge things in communication. When you say consistency, what do you mean by consistency? I mean that one of the things that always drove me nuts with my dad was 
we would have performance reviews, but they would be whenever he was available and we wouldn't know that they were coming. (laughs) Got it. Okay. So, you know, being someone like me who cares, I was more sensitive because I cared. Right. But if I'm busy and I'm doing stuff and all of a sudden is, hey, I got a half an hour. uh, Come over here. Let me just rip into you. It wasn't necessarily what he was telling me that was like an issue. It was how he went about like there was no preparation. There was no mental or emotional or any type of prep that this was coming or system to it. It was whenever, wherever. And that caused a lot of anxiety. So for us, we have regularly scheduled meetings now with our leadership that do not change. Same time, same place, every single week. From there, that is now moving down to our managers to say, hey, you see how we do this? We want you to be the leader inside of your own store and do this with your people. And we're going to do this with you. And this way, it becomes not something that's subjective. It's not when we're upset or we're happy or it's not based on anything other than this is just the process. Yeah. And we're going to meet. It also gives them an opportunity to speak their mind. And that's the other side of it, which is we review you. But you do get a chance to review us, too. And we're asking for your feedback on how we're doing as your boss. And I like that because it's a set time, too. So, you know, even if something's going on Monday and, you know, you have a meeting every Friday or something or once a month on Friday, you know, you know what? I'm just going to save it and I'll talk to them on Friday when the meeting's planned. Correct. Which also alleviates a lot of back and forth with us where it's I don't want them to feel like they can or they should be sending me every single thought they ever have in their brain all day long. Because when you have... (laughs) all these people involved, it gets really overwhelming. Like, right. I'm overwhelmed because I care. So whatever, if they bring an issue to me in the middle of the night, I want to address it right then because I care about having it solved. Um, but if we say, you know what, I'm meeting with him this day, no problem, I got a list. And then we're very methodical. Our, our meeting goes the exact same way every single time. This is our issues section. Go. And we go down the list. Then... I take it back to my team. We assign it out to the appropriate people and make sure that everything gets done. And the following week when we meet back, we check in on each one of those items, what got done. And it's amazing when you're tracking and you have accountability, what gets done. That's awesome. So I have found that that more than anything, not just money, that more than anything creates a positive work environment. You know, they know they have ready access to you, that you're listening to issues, that you care about solving them for them. You're eliminating barriers that make their job more difficult. Because I think more than money, people want their job to be easier. And not meaning less work, but less like anxiety-filled, less question marks. You know, I go, if I'm seeing the same thing from multiple managers, the same issue, I have to give them a tool or some sort of training to make this easier on them so they understand what we're doing. Yeah, I mean, listen, um, the heart of the job is they do want to work less, right? Not necessarily less hours, but less hard. And think back to your days. I was the same way. Like I, I started in the business and I was like, you know, I did start as a pizza maker, but like a bottom level pizza maker. And it was like, you know what? Those nights on Friday night when it was real busy and hectic and not structured well, I hated my life and I wanted to quit. Mm -hmm. And no matter how much money you paid me, it still didn't make that any better. And and then you're exactly right where, okay, if I'm going to get $18 an hour from this pizzeria or $18 for that one and this kitchen part of my language has their shit together right and that kitchen is chaos i'm going to choose the exact same dollar and go over here because i don't care about working hard but the stress of having nobody with their crap together in this place (laughs) is too much and you know and and that is what i so when you ask that question of staffing and this and that to me 
us as leaders and the bosses having our shit together, we've had significantly less turnover. I would even add to that. If that place is paying you $20 an hour and is a hot mess in that, and this place is paying you $18 an hour and has their shit together. I'll take the less money to have a little bit less of work or a better work environment. You're 100% right. And, and, and you have to think of it this way. And this is what I do. It's like, if I, if I'm put myself in their role, right. And I go, a dollar, an extra dollar an hour is not going to change my life. But what can change my life is the feeling I have while I'm there yeah. and the feeling I have when I leave for the day. You know, where if I feel like I'm going in there working with a, for a company that appreciates me, for people who care, people who listen, and if there's something that they fix it so that way this is has as few issues as possible that you can, you know, reasonably have, and I work with people who are positive and having fun. If there's a jerk in this group, they get rid of them. Right. It's amazing the smiles you get yeah. <laughs> when you go in and you go, there's just zero tolerance for jerks. Um, you know, that's our new thing is like, just don't be an asshole. <laughs> yeah, right. It's like, it costs zero. I have a saying it costs zero dollars to be a nice person. Yeah. That's like know? I do. And if someone is, and it's not like them, I go, let's set aside some time to talk. I want to hear what's going on. Yeah. You got to figure out, like, if it's out of someone's character, then you know something's up. And it's not always the job. It could be something personal. Um, for instance, we had a, an issue where I, I had a guy lose his mind. Like, he was, like, losing his mind. He worked for us for years. I'm like, what is with him? He's going to, you know, he sends me, a, a, like, a letter quitting my resignation. I'm like, where's this coming from? Sit him down. It was over 100 bucks. Had a bill that he had to pay for about 100 bucks. And he was just, it was the straw that broke the camel's back of the stress in his personal life. And I'm thinking, I was about to lose a really good guy because of stuff he had going on that had nothing to do with us over an issue that it's a shame he didn't feel like he could have brought to us to tell him or tell us what was going on. Right. Because, you know, and not in like a, not in any sort of bragging way, but it was like $100 here. Right. Here's my wallet. Like, here's 100 bucks. And you know what? Don't even worry about paying me back. Just go take care of it. It's going to be fine. You know, and it was one of those things where, because it's a hard worker that does a really good job for us. And I just was like, that was a real eye-opening experience for me as a, as a leader of, man, I have to make it where people don't ever hide something like that or feel like they're on their own dealing with it. Um, and it doesn't mean I always say yes, but I at least should know what's going on with somebody. Yeah, they, they should need feel, to feel com- like they, they'd be able to do that. Exactly. They should feel comfortable at least coming to you and talking about it and not feeling like, you know, you're going to judge them or be... Uh, mad about it you know it's always listen if you if you the answer is always no if you don't ask you gotta kind of take your shot at some point yeah my grandfather used to say that all the time he yeah say that don't, the worst they could say is no yeah i, I have that uh, philosophy and i try to teach my kids that listen just ask what's the worst case scenario they say no at least it's always a no if you don't say anything for sure and so and i think that's that's the biggest challenge for us you know now and for everybody right and going forward is how do we lead by that example and then how do we take us who we think get better at that and improve on it and then have our managers take on those same qualities? So so ultimately, that person who's having that conversation doesn't necessarily bring it to me, but will bring it to their manager. Yeah. And if we have a person who's not leading that way inside of that place, then they're really not a right fit, Yeah. or at least for that role. Um, and, and, you know, and that's the hard thing is having the right person in the right seat, doing the right thing. And I say, if they have the they check off a ton of boxes... And some of them just is they're just not there yet. If they're willing to learn and grow and, and be receptive to that, then we need to invest in them further 
and say, you know, we want to grow you as a leader. Because if we grow you as a leader, ultimately, that's going to be great for us. And and I'll tell you, um, and I'll mention him again. He does. I've never even met Nick from Caliente Pizza. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Never met him, but I follow him because he's out there a lot. Wait, you've never t- have you ever talked to him? No. I, you, you know what? I probably would, we probably would love. To, I mean, I would love to speak to him, and not in like a fanboy way, but like we probably would get along really well. Yeah. I'll, listen, I'll I'll send you an intro through email because I know Nick. Uh, well, I appreciate that. And it's one of those things where I'm more reclusive in my in what I do. You know me. I, I kind of keep to my. Yeah, like I don't, I don't go into the like the pizza world. Probably, you know, there's no Rick, there's no pizza Rick brand. It's all what you do. It is right. I'm I'm all about the work, and I know that there's a tremendous value in making a brand out of that thing too. If when we go to the next level or to get there, I get that. Um, It's just, it's not natural to me. So I have to, I have to work on doing it. You know, like even something like this, where you may say, "What do you mean? You're perfectly natural. It's a great conversation." It takes a lot out of me. Uh, energy <laughs> wise, because it's not, you know, I'm, I'm more of an operations guy. I yeah. love solving problems, um, and, and creating new things I, that, that to me is what energizes me. Um, so the people side of it is something that I may be better at than a lot of people because I focus so much on it as something that is not a strong suit of mine. Yeah. I know it's needed. So I work on it more than maybe other people who have it naturally. Uh, because of that, I overcompensate by trying to do it really, really well. Um, and, and so I watch those guys and see a lot of what they do and people who are doing those things that I want to do. And it's just, they all have a lot of things in common. Yeah. Um, I, you guys all seem like, you know, there's a lot of guys on the pizza team or, you know, and I have my own thoughts about that in the pizza expo, which we'll save for another podcast. But, um, I know a lot of those guys are doing good stuff, you know, and they, and they, I think that the brands that they put out there do attract more people to them, whether that be potential franchisees or partners or employees, because they do put themselves out there and yeah. talk about stuff. So it'll be helpful. Yeah. And I, and I think that is some of the, the stuff that is, is really cool that people put out there because yeah. it's motivating. Yeah. It's not to say like, Oh, you did that article that was one page long that changed everything for me. But what it does is it pushes you to then, at least me, my curiosity to, to dig deeper and learn more. So if someone says, hey, one of the things you have to do is you got to create a system around something like this. Well, they didn't tell me what the system is, how to do it, whatever. But they say, you got to have one. We have one. Right. And I go, okay, I'm going to go do some research on what type of systems are out there to make these things work for us. Um, and I think that's where I'm having the most fun right now. What do you say? Let me ask you this. And this is a scenario that's like a real life scenario for me. Um, so I'm going to throw something at you that I uh, kind of a curveball. What do you say to Because there's a lot of so I'm in the Northeast and I feel like Boston area, Massachusetts, it's very similar to your area, right? Like it's pretty liberal. Uh, taxes are pretty high. It's expensive to do business. Um, so there's obviously that part of it. And it's a very big population of people yeah but there's also a lot of competition and a lot of people near me have these pizza shops that are i call them like 80s and 90s pizza shops they're the pizza shops that were built in the era before everything was delivered to your house so they have a huge menu they have a lot of customer base but now in the era we are living in it's hard for them to find and grow their team 
And it, but it's also hard for them to make decisions to say, you know what, I'm not going to have this thing that I've had on my menu forever off. I'm not going to take it off because I've had it on my menu forever. But it's hurting them in the long run because they can't find the people to train them to do all of these things. What would you, if you like were to say, all right, I'm going to take Rick and I'm going to throw him inside of this pizza shop to manage it or own it. Like, what would you do? What would be the first kind of steps you would take to kind of take over that shop? So I think, you know, I, I, and I got got off completely on my mind. I was like this with the, the thought on Nick. The thing that he said, which is so true for us, and I think it gets to the heart of what I was talking about before with growing versus just managing what I already have and yeah. having a very good life. A point that he made in something that I was watching one time was, I'm not expanding for me at this point. I'm expanding because I'm creating more opportunities for all the people around me. And so when people ask me, I think that hits the nail right on the head. An issue we always had was there was a plateau and there was a ceiling to what people could accomplish in our organization. So those great people we had, we would eventually naturally lose them because we would shed them when they couldn't go anywhere. There was right. no place for them to go. So you either had the most loyal people who were willing to stay stuck at their position because they never would leave you to their own demise because they wouldn't go anywhere literally or you have to be able to be an organization where people see a path to grow so a big part of our hiring is one we had to solve uh, or answer a question for ourselves what is our vision and who are we when we were able to do that internally and have leaders within our company who were all in on what we call the rocket ship when they're all in and they're just you know not even strapping in, they're like let's just go they're in <laughs> That message then, not just coming from me who has the most incentive to sell it, but from someone who's also, a, a, let's just say they're an employee, yeah. telling you the employee-to-employee -employee validation of what goes on there is much more credible than coming from the owner. So if you're doing all your interviews and hiring, there's a, there's a side of suspicion because it's like, well, of course you say that. This is your place. <laughs> right. So when I have someone else selling the vision like, no, dude, this is a great place. These guys are awesome. I can't tell you how many times they've taken care of me, the opportunities they've given me. They go, okay. Yeah. You know, because right. why would this person, why would that person lie? You know, they have less incentive to do that. Uh, they're telling it from their side and say, hey, man, I've worked my way up to here right now. I started off where you're at. So there's room for that. And guess what? This company is growing. And because they're growing, there's going to be places and opportunities for you. Because you can look at a place and go, well, I want to be a manager one day, but this guy's terrific. That's the manager here, and he's not going anywhere. Yeah. So then, where do I go? So well, what do you do? What? what do you do for a place that doesn't have like that that goal of opening more locations? Are they just screwed? I think, in a sense, you kind of are. Yeah. And, and those are the places that have a natural course where it's decide that you want to be the owner operator of your business, run your place, run it as best as you possibly can, you know, kick ass and make money. <laughs> you know, you should, if you're there, you should be the best, run it that way. And then hopefully look down the line who's someone who's going to succeed you, whether that is a great employee that's been there forever, that's working towards buying it off of you as you go to retire or have a child or a family member that's going to take it. Yeah. Um, and then, then do what they want with it. Those are really the three options. Having someone that wants to continue the legacy that's been there forever, that buys it off you, that's younger having a relative or, you know, or heir sort of take it on yep. and then do it. Or, or have a plan that says, I'm going to make this place as valuable on paper as possible because when it's time to hang it up, I can retire and I'll just yeah. sell it. You know, those are only your only options. 
if, if that's your business and you're that operator. Um, and I think you're always going to get caught in that place. And it's figure out how to get the best out of people in their role. If you have that type of pizzeria, do not tell me you cannot get high school and college kids to come in and work. Just don't tell me that. <laughs> Maybe you're not willing to put the time into them, deal with kid nonsense, and with the flexibility you have to have with their schedules right. and all that kind of stuff, and understand that you're dealing with kids. So you're choosing not to hire them because they're they're, they're applying for jobs everywhere. So it's really, just a mind, gotta, it's really a mindset issue, right? Because you are either, like you said, you either have, you're in either, you're in either two camps. You're in the camp of my goal is to grow and I need to hire people and train them to take over this spot so I can go to the next one and grow. Or you have to be okay with the fact that you're always going to get that call of someone calling in sick because you are the owner operator. Yeah. Or you have to be willing and have a process that gets people up to speed with certain things in a way that you can trust them faster. Meaning we have a lot of young kids that make pizzas at our stores now that are high school kids. And we know this is not the guy like, I'm going to invest in this guy and he'll be here for 10 years. No, this kid's going to be here for the next four months. So what can I do to get in four weeks, make that kid be able to make pizzas as good as the guy who's been here four years. So that's a system we have to have and be willing to do it. Otherwise we're just going to have holes on every line. Or we say, this is now the skilled, most skilled position on my line, and these other ones I can train. So, for instance, we've took on additional labor where if I don't have an A-plus guy stretching pizzas and building them, and then one guy on the oven and helping instead of two guys, I might need to have three people working now. Right. Because I say, hey, this kid's going to help because his only job is topping pizzas because we're that busy. But you, all you're going to do is learn how to top the pizzas. To take a little bit of stress off of these two guys who are trained. Right. So now I don't need three well-trained people. I only need two. So it's a, how do you eliminate that? And then taking our other position, which is our sandwich appetizer pasta, and putting that all on one line, which we did, with the ingredients and reconfiguring things. So only one person needs to be there. And that's where I start every single person in my kitchen and say, hey, you're going to learn this station first. I like it. Let me ask you, you this. Know, how, many, so, how, many, how many text messages and phone calls do you get on a daily basis? You should ask my wife that question. <laughs> Are you constantly on your phone? I am. Um, and, you know, since I've been on this, my whole phone is like... Blowing up? Yeah. And it's, you know, it's mostly not. Another person I heard once, and I don't know where it was. I can't remember it. Because I always give credit if I remember. I can't remember where I heard it, but said, the day your team stops asking you for help is the day that you know they've given up on you as a leader. Ooh. So I try to, as much as it can be very overwhelming and anxiety causing, I try to remember that these people all reach out to me because they look at me as somebody who can and is willing to help them. Yeah. And if I stop hearing from them, that means they've given up on me. Right. You know, they don't see me as that anymore. So, that doesn't mean that I solve everything for them. You don't just get to hand me a bag of monkeys and it's now my <laughs> monkeys. Like, cause I'm not running a circus or a zoo. Right. That may mean that they think that I'm the right person or if someone is constantly sending me something that's not for me, I go, Hey, at the next meeting, make sure I introduce you to our IT person. Because when you have an issue like that, that's the appropriate person. All I'm doing is relaying your message to them anyway. So if you think I'm solving it, like I appreciate your, your belief in me, but I'm having someone else do it anyway. And then I, and I, and I, you know, and I take the, the chain that has now like this, 
and I make them be able to connect directly with those types of issues. So having a well-documented and communicated accountability chart is super important to eliminating some of those issues and go, well, yeah, what like would you that. like, what would you like me to do about that? Like, I'm not Comcast. What am I supposed to do? Fix your phone line. <laughs> but if I give them the direct person to reach out to that, I would call because it's usually me then making that next call or email to have it fixed. Right. And then in the future, they know where to go. Correct. And so that's a part of the training, which is not just giving them numbers of people, but I make the introduction and say, hey, this is my guy or this is my gal that's at this store. When you get a call from them, it's like you've got a call from me. So make sure you handle it. Otherwise, they're going to get me involved. And by at that point, they called you. You didn't answer. I call you. You pick up. Now, when I call you, you're going to get a very different tone. From me <laughs> right. Because it was the thing of like, well, this is the guy who approves my invoices. So I'll answer for him. But, you know, I'm not going to worry about his managers, which is more. No, that's not right. Which is more important. Like they should be given the same level of respect that that we get. And a big part of that, then everything is in a circle, right? If they see that I give my managers that respect, they'll give it to them as well because they know that I trust them and that those people deserve respect from them, not, oh, yeah, well, you know, if they call you, sure. If I, if I handle it that way, then that's exactly the level of respect and accountability they're going to give them. Yeah, I like so it. So everything has to work that way. Um, and, yeah, no, I'm, I'm super excited for this year. We have so much going on. I am so motivated by every – I think I avoid the pizza shows and the, the PR and the spotlight specifically because every time something gets posted and we're not in it, I feel slighted and it, like, lights my fire. <laughs> you know, you like, get, maybe that's why I keep picking on the Pizza Expo for so long. It's like, you know what? You know, there's a reason why I pick on the Pizza Expo. Uh, a couple, actually. But, uh, you know, but um, similar to that, like, I like the fact that you know, that's why the podcast is where it is. They kind of laughed at me in the beginning when I when I told them I was doing a podcast about pizza. They they kind of laughed at me, the Pizza Expo guys. And now they have their own pizza podcast. Uh -huh. How funny is that? So that kind of lit a fire under my ass. Uh, you know, I agree it, with you. It, it, it's, it's fun in that way. It's fun in that way if you use it. If you don't have it where you have, like, anger towards people, or, or any sort of resentment towards them, then it's positive. Then it's then it's a good thing, and you can go. I'm recognizing it. It's a little bit of the the you know I'm, I'm a Chicago guy, so love the Jordan, the Last Dance, you know. Yeah. And you know where it goes. I took that personally. It, it's like <laughs> Jordan didn't really care, right? He didn't yeah. really hate that person, but he used it to energize himself to put him to keep it going. Because the longer you go, the the easier it is to kind of just sit back and get complacent. So if you're using what other people and competitors are doing to compete in what we're doing and you go, hey, man, I love you guys, love what you're doing, but I'm coming for you, then it's a healthy competition. And I think that's where it could be fun. And not everybody takes that same approach, uh, but that's how I do it. Like, I enjoy the sparring. I enjoy the competition. I enjoy the, you opened up six, your sixth location, shit, I got to open up another yeah. one because I got I to gotta get seven. I got to get eight. I gotta I like be ahead that. of these guys. You I'm know the what same I mean? way. Yeah, I'm the same way. I, I very much motivate. My wife knows. She like, if you want to motivate the shit out of me, like, tell me something I can't do, or send me somebody that's doing something similar to me that, and you tell me it's better. Yeah, for like, sure. That's, that's well, how. I, you know what? You want me to dominate something? Just send me something and be like, this person's doing it way better than you. I'm like, you know what? Fuck that. I'm doing it better. Yeah, you know, and so much of what we've done that's gotten better 
has become has come because we were so early in this game. It was come because of all the competition that sprouted up. Yeah, it's from the review where someone goes, you "Used to love this place, but now this new place opened, and they're so like, I think they might be better." And I'm yeah. like, you know what? Fuck that. Yeah, exactly. You know, we got to step up our game, and it's in that sense where I think I said to someone the other day, as a former athlete and as a Division One athlete, I'm a competitor, and you lose that when that career ends. So to me, business has become the ultimate sport. You know, so yeah. this is the ultimate sport, the ultimate competition that I can do until my brain atrophies or you know something happens. You know, <laughs> I, I can I can do this for a lot longer than I can compete at sports. Definitely, because it's and all so mental, right? It's all it all becomes mental. Yeah. But you know, again, a, another part which is so crazy. There's so much physicalness to it too. To keep your mind sharp, to keep your attitude positive, whatever. It's like I fall into the like, oh, I'm always making pizza, so I'm eating pizza all day long. And I'm like, oh, man, you know, how does that help me? How does that help me being overweight and out of shape and not taking care of myself? You know, there's some people who can do it, right? They can be 500 pounds. They're happy, great attitude, lots of energy. And they're just like, that's not me, though. That's no, not me. me. <laughs> yeah, me you know either. what I mean? Like, I have to work out. I have to watch what I'm doing. And it's not to be like. You know supermodel or anything like that but it's like i know that if i get a little more activity before my day gets going my mentality for the rest of the day and what i can put out is just way better way more productive and and, and so that's where you get again like we're competing right yeah how is bruce gonna bring level 10 energy to this podcast thing it's like you know what i gotta go hit the heavy bag yeah i gotta ride the bike i gotta go run for a mile before i go do this because then i know i'm gonna be jacked up you know, and so it's knowing yourself, and it's funny to think about being a pizzeria operator and thinking that way of like, man, I got to make sure I get an hour a day in so that way I'm on the top of my game for my customers. Like, Poof. It's a lot of people don't think of that at all. They just kind of let it go, and I'm the same way. I need to go. I have to go to the gym every day. Every single day I go to the gym for at least 45 minutes to an hour, and if I don't, it's like, it's not the physical, like the physical part of it is a bonus to me. It's like it's mental. Yeah. For my brain. It's like my form of meditation where I for just sure. go there. I check out for an hour. I sweat a little bit. I put my body through some some work and, and it just makes me feel better. And if I don't go one day, I feel like complete crap. I, I know. I know. And, you know, and I got into because I had we've had two kids in three years. And so that plus all this other stuff and it was like I, we found ourselves not being as active yeah you know like that and i was like man it's amazing to me the moments where i focus the most on that side how how much my business grows and how much better it does there's direct correlation to my level of energy to focus on yeah and to get things put through because of taking care of yourself so you know i it's one of those things like that to me has become the biggest struggle is keeping up myself as a human to be able to keep up with my goals yeah um and for my staff right like man if i gotta go, we gotta staff up we gotta do this we gotta do that how am i gonna do that if i'm dragging ass yeah you can't i'm dragging ass then everyone else is led by my level of energy so if i'm bringing half speed who's gonna be bringing full throttle yeah they, like, this, they're this gonna follow your leader. lead they're gonna do whatever you do so if i'm bringing 110 if everyone else is bringing 75 or 80, we're going to get places, you know? Right, right. But, but if I'm sleeping through a meeting or whatever, it's going to be like, 
this this guy's in charge here. Right. You know, we're not this this ship ain't sailing anytime soon. This guy's half asleep. Um, and so I think that's the fun thing. And and again, there's a lot of guys out there with I don't know what their lifestyles are, but their energy's great, right? And those are the people you see that are out there really doing things. You know, to, the the Tony Gemignani's yeah. of the world, the Knicks. There's those types of people out there. There, their energy is what is contagious and um, admirable. I, Obviously, yeah, admirable and infectious for, yeah. like, what they're trying to do, right? Because they're clearly, like, getting in there and doing something new and creating is what is, like, clearly charging their batteries. Yeah. You know, and whatever gets in there gets in there. There's another guy down. He's not a pizza guy, but he's down in Southern California. A guy's name is Sean Walsh. Walsh or Walsh? Walsh Jeff. Yeah, I know Sean. Walsh Jeff. Yeah. yeah. Super cool dude. It's no Cali surprise. Barbecue. I, yeah, no surprise he and I connected. But he's, like... He's on that Mamba mentality, 4 a.m. shit, you know? And he's doing it, and it's like, look at what he's building. He's building something so similar with all these things that he's got going on. And you can tell, he's a guy, he's probably a little more like us. He needs that part to keep his energy where it's at, to keep it going. Yeah, it's a little easier to wake up at 4 a.m. when you live in San Diego and not Boston or Chicago. That is very true. When it's 8 degrees outside. That's very true. (laughs) And, you know, and, and... it's funny because, like, I'm more of a night owl. Uh, I get up. I'm up early. I got kids, right? So I'm up early anyways. And the older we get, you know, guys, yeah. we, we wake up early anyways no totally. matter what. And then my brain is on. So I'm yeah. like, okay, let's get going. So I'm more of like a 530 guy. But I know for me, working out in the morning doesn't do shit for me because I'm I'm awful. I get a work, terrible workout. Uh, I'm all over the place. Then I'm, like, tired. I'm like, no, I just got to get all this stuff done. Like my emails, I start getting into my emails. I start laying out my day, figuring out what I'm going to do, have my cup of coffee, get going, whatever. And that midday lull where I'm like, man, I'm starting to lose my energy. It's either when I hit the gym or ramp it up, and then I know I'm going to work out later or night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I can have a cup of coffee and work out at 8 o'clock at night and go right to bed. <laughs> yeah, right? Like I, I can do that at night. But uh, in the morning, it's hard for me. So everybody just has to, I feel like, do that. And then as a leader – I have to respect that with my own team and get to know them and know like I got a guy who is never off the clock, but if I call him in the middle of the day, he's like, yo, I'm, get, I'm getting a workout. Can't be like, well, I just called you. So why aren't you dropping everything to do what I need you to do? Right. Now? Right. You got to let him do his thing. Like I know for him to be his top performance, like that's something that he needs. He's not slacking off because if it's five in the morning, he's answering me. And if it's midnight, he's still on with me. So if he needs to go do something at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, it would be stupid for me to be like, yo, you're on the clock. You know that, right? Like, it's 9 to 5. Like, this job isn't that. So you have to have that flexibility with people as well, I feel like, uh, if you want to grow people and understand that in this world of options, in this world of flexibility, in this world of hybrid working and online personalities and all this stuff, the way to think about work has to change. When when people are trying to get them at an optimal level, it just has to. Yeah, I agree. I uh, I think this was a great podcast. You have a ton of great information. I probably could sit here talking to you for like two hours. We'll have to do a part two sure. of this one because there's sure. still so much that I want to ask you. But uh, it's well, we're gonna do it at the, we're gonna do it at that conference. Oh yeah, that's right. We are we'll talk, at the we'll uh, talk for days. Yeah, Pizza Summit in November. We'll be there. I'm gonna have a booth. I'm not speaking, but I'm gonna have a booth where you can come hang with me. We'll do a part two to this episode there. Yeah, and my what do they call it when the what's them what do they call it the when the magician like the trick the prestige 
Yeah. Wait. My prestige, as they call it, right? I don't know what you're talking about. Like, they pull the rabbit out of the hat? No, no, no. Whatever that is called. Like, the thing that... There's a name specifically for the essence of the trick. Yeah. Uh, I think it's called The Prestige. That was the movie. Uh, anyways, my my trick that I'm going to pull out at the expo is anybody who's been messing with me, uh, at the end of my, my talk, I'm going to serve them with legal papers <laughs> that I've been, because I couldn't serve them in person. So that would be my trick. It was like, here you go, take these notes with you. Oh, by the way, you've been violating my trademark. So here, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> But I know they wanted me to focus on some of the legal stuff around because I have a unique Yeah, you're, you're an attorney, yeah. Yeah, so we're going to have some fun with that. We're going to have some tricks, uh, go over some stuff on growing that way and how to structure deals, which I think is a super cool talk. Yeah. And then you and I can hang out and shoot the shit for, by the pool. Yeah, it's Orlando, too, so the, the weather's always nice down there, especially in yep. November. So I'm really Rick, looking forward to that. Where can people go say hello to you if they want to email you or go visit your website? I know it's uh, I have your website up here. It's uh, billybrickshq.com. Yep. Uh, but what if that's, they want to say hello to you personally? What should they do? That's the business website. My personal website is pizzarick.com. You can find all my contact info there and links to all my social. Uh, if you put in my name, Rick Gruber, or Pizza Rick in any of the social sites, you'll find me. Um, and either myself or someone on my team is constantly monitoring all those. Okay. Um, and answering, I'm either answering or they're answering for me to, to connect me with somebody. So you can find me there anytime, especially if it's pizza. I'm always open. If it's a funny meme, feel free to send me that too, because I'm a meme monster. Me too. I love send it. them to me as well. You know, that's the best way to start a day is with, uh, the internet winning. I agree. The, uh, and I'll link all that up in the show notes too. Rick, thank you so much. We're going to end the podcast there. Don't hang up. Um, but thank you so much for hanging out with me here for a while on the podcast. All right. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for tuning into the podcast. Go subscribe to our YouTube channel, Smart Pizza Marketing on YouTube. Do some shorts, some videos over there. I get to see the people who are guests on the podcast. And you know what? I just appreciate it. If you don't want to subscribe to the YouTube channel, hit me a, a like or a follow wherever you listen to this podcast and leave me a positive review. Very much appreciate it. I think we have 102 reviews on iTunes and there's a lot of other people who listen to this podcast. So take two seconds out of your day. Think about how much you appreciate it when someone leaves you a positive review for your business. I feel the same way. I love it when you guys leave me reviews over on iTunes. So if you do that, very much appreciate it on my end. Again, you can follow all the show notes and join SPM Pro over at smartpizzamarketing.com forward slash pro. All the show notes over there. If you want to hit me up on Instagram, you can do that at smartpizzamarketing.com. No, at smartpizzamarketing over on Instagram. I got into the... I got into like the robot mode where I was just spitting off websites at Smart Pizza Marketing on Instagram. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll see you next time.